Okay, today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Mel Blackmore. She is the managing director of Blackmore's. They're a UK-based consultancy that help businesses assess quality, risk, and environmental management. Mel's been implementing ISO frameworks for nearly 20 years, and we talk about that work specifically around corporate social responsibility and environmental management. We go into the impact of supply chains, how to eradicate things like greenwashing, and the importance of employee engagement as part of the process. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Mel Blackmore. Hey, Mel, good morning. Welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, we, we connected over, I think, over LinkedIn and obviously in the, the, the same kind of spaces doing, doing some, some similar work. So, yeah, good to, to get you on and share some of that. And, you know, with that in mind, probably a good starting point. Do you want to just, just give us some of your background and, and a bit on Blackmores and the type of work you do, the type of projects you work on? Yeah, sure. So uh, I started Blackmores 15 years ago now. and uh, We specialise in implementing ISO standards for organisations and helping to, to maintain systems so that they actually get the results that businesses want. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we implement a very wide range of sustainability standards, um, which obviously I can share that with you later on. But, uh, yeah, the, the leading global ISO standards are typically ISO 14001 and ISO 50001. So we work with organisations ranging from construction companies through to manufacturing um, and even, you know, Wembley Stadium. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a stadium here in the UK where we've implemented sustainable event management standards such as ISO 2012-1. Cool. Do you want to just, uh, there's a lot of, ISO is a, a big area. It's been around, I don't know, you probably tell me how long it's been around, a long, long time. But, um, you know, we're specifically talking more in the kind of environmental uh, sustainability standards do you want to just talk through you know the ones that are, the ones that are important the ones you're focusing on yeah uh, I mean the, there are literally hundreds of standards out there but there are only certain standards that you can actually get certified against and that you can implement within your business as a management system uh, so that's not to be confused with standards for products like uh, uh, on a fire extinguisher for example there are standards for that but we just specialize in standards for business and specifically around sustainability so uh, the most popular standard globally uh, has got to be ISO 14001 so that's been around for many years now and it's basically a framework for helping to manage your environmental footprint so it helps you to set environmental policy, objectives, controls, and, and also measures so that you can monitor uh, against your, your, uh, your business's performance when it comes to environmental management. Uh, another one is ISO 50001. So over the last few years, there's been increasing legislation around energy and in Europe in particular, there's one called ESOS, which is the Energy Saving Opportunity Scheme. So for certain types of organisations, there are actually financial penalties uh, for not managing your energy, not being able to report on it, you know, what is your uh, carbon footprint as well. So 
So ISO 50001 rapidly grew from being a, a BS, a British standard, a number of years ago to become its, its very own standard. So that helps the business to really hone in and fine tune all of the controls and KPIs around energy management. So that's kind of more relevant if your organisational's greatest environmental aspect and therefore impact is energy and carbon. Uh, then there are some standards that are really popular, which aren't actually certifiable. And the, I'd say the most popular one is the social responsibility standard, which is ISO 2600. So that's actually a guidance document. And you might think, well, you know, what, what's the point in having that? Well, actually, this is this was a bit of a game changer when it was first introduced back in 2010. Uh, because it basically brought together around 500 global experts on social responsibility from around 80 countries. So it had a true global representation. And for the very first time, that enabled us to have a guideline um, on how to increase engagement, you know, looking at recognition of social, social responsibility, um, together with bringing together a consensus for standardization in relation to social responsibility. Um, and I think just the last two standards worth mentioning are standards that we've seen going increasing popularity just in the last year or so, which is ISO 14064. So that's from the family of ISO 14001, but that's specifically around carbon verification. So there's a lot of talk at the moment about being carbon neutral and you know being net carbon zero but an organization first of all needs to understand how much carbon it's actually using. <laughs> so this is a, a standard to provide a, a really clear and simple framework on how to verify your data. Then the other standard is past 2060. So PAS, not to be confused with an ISO, so PAS is a publicly available specification, which basically means it's like an ISO standard, but it's not quite made it to being an international standard yet. But it does mean that it's a specification, so you can actually certify against it. But with this particular standard, this is all about carbon neutrality. So once an organization's verified their carbon, they then obviously have an option to offset that if they wish, obviously reduce their carbon as much as possible, and then to prove that they've actually made that claim to being carbon neutral. So that's PAS 2060. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the, uh, the one that's, that's really popular at the moment too. Cool. Thanks for that. I mean, running through those, you know, 14... 1001, obviously, I've known from for some time and, and, and 50,001. I, I, the question I had, actually, may be good to dig into a couple of these, but you know, I wanted to ask about how companies implement these standards to, to achieve certification. Before I ask that, actually, and, and maybe it's the same question, but you know, look at ISO, uh, what was it, 14,064, the verification. So if a company goes through that process, what, what are they, ver are they verifying their footprint regardless of their achievement so they're simply saying this is what 
you know this is where it sits today what you know what we are creating as a carbon footprint and then they move on to potentially pass 2060 to to start to kind of bring that footprint down is it am i understanding right yeah it's literally a a framework a specification for how to verify your carbon footprint so that covers scopes one two and three and it also looks at scope and boundaries and methods for verifying and quantifying your carbon footprint so rather than individuals or businesses, you know, scratching their heads thinking, well, where do we begin in verifying our our carbon? It really does help to set the standard for how you should do that. And again, this has been driven through international consensus. So typically an organization would take a period of say 12 months and some deal with deal with that on a, on a financial year or it could be a calendar year. Uh, there is no right or wrong uh, reason here. I mean, many organizations that are are doing this at the moment uh, are doing it BC before COVID <laughs> because there was some kind of degree of normality there for that period of time. And then obviously you've got the, 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 the year that was COVID and now obviously we're coming out of COVID where we are in the UK at the moment uh, as a result of the vaccine programme. But then you're looking at the 12 month period after that. So it's really the beginning of a sustainability roadmap. You need to understand where you're at in order to be able to understand where you're heading and where, where you'd like to be. Yeah, sure. And I suppose, you know, a bit of a leading question, really, and re- in terms of often people look at these standards and, and you know, you worry that it's uh, it, it's something in a filing cabinet. Well, these days it wouldn't be in a filing cabinet, but it would be mm-hmm. something that sits on a, you know, on a server in an in a electronic document. But, you know, how, how much do you see the effectiveness of the standard, you know, versus... Uh, th- this issue we have, which has gone on for a long time, kind of greenwashing, where companies are just, you know, saying they're doing one thing, and and then maybe not, you know, it, it's kind of greenwashing the problem. Do you do you run into that? Do the standards help to kind of eradicate that to to work against it? Are other other verification systems needed additionally? So a th- few things in there, I know, but uh, um, yeah, I think you know where I'm going with the with the kind of questioning, just to understand. Is it, you know, in, in every case, is it real? Are there ways around this? Is it, you know, is there more needed than just the standards? Yeah, it's it's something that I can uh, relate to, Matt, definitely. I mean, we do come across some organisations that literally just want to get the badge, but they don't necessarily want to put in the work to actually make a difference. So we have to got to be mindful of that, that there are some organisations out there like that. Um, But the vast majority, thankfully, of organisations that do actually embark on that journey to implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 14001, generally speaking, they're doing it for the right reasons. And that's to basically practice what they preach. So the main difference is, is, you know, an organisation may pay lip service to an environmental policy. They might claim that they're doing various initiatives, but, but where's the proof? Uh, and quite often organisations without a system in place haven't really got a real mechanism for change. And also, I think we have to remember that, you know, as an organisation, everybody within the organisation can make a difference. And then you have to look at the supply chain and other key stakeholders as well, and the part that they play in the overall delivery of a product or service. So I think in, in terms of 
the greenwashing aspect of it, it helps businesses to prove that they have got a credible environmental management system in place. So in many cases, it's a requirement in tenders. In certain sectors, it's mandatory, uh, like in construction or manufacturing, it's been pushed down the supply chain because businesses recognize that you actually do have systems in place for operational controls, uh, understanding what your environmental requirements are, so in terms of legislation, regulations, and also other requirements like contractual requirements as well. So they should all be built into your system. And quite often, if a business doesn't have a system in place, then they haven't really got that opportunity to be able to demonstrate the results. So hopefully that's answered your question. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it did answer the question. Actually, it posed a couple of more, actually, um, just around the team and around, let's start on the supply chain stuff because it's an area that we are focused on as a business right now, uh, more in, in, in supply chains that relate to kind of connecting producers and consumers. But in terms of the supply chains you're looking at, if, if a business is rolling out, you know, one of these ISO standards, maybe it's carbon verification. Clearly, the supply chain has a massive impact. And I know, you know, one of our partners uh, support the goals, which is all focused on the UN SDGs. Their whole focus is around bringing people onto their platform and then getting the the their supply chain partners in there because it's such a big part of the, the process. So, you know, when you're looking at those kind of environmental standards, it, how, how does a business that is very supply chain focused deal with that are they kind of are they do they have to adhere to the behaviors of people within their supply chain that aren't actually part of their business but are as suppliers is I imagine it gets quite complex when you start looking down at that level in terms of the impact on environment yeah and actually the the, the question that you raised there touches on a, a couple of areas within most of the ISO standards and and that is on interested parties so across 14,000, the 2,600, uh, they all reference interested parties. And more often than not, and obviously it depends on the type of industry that you're in, but it could actually be your supply chain that has the most significant environmental impact. It's not your the direct operations that you have mm. for, from an office, for example. It could be all the contractors that you engage with that deliver services on your behalf. So it's important to recognize what you have a direct influence over. So typically with certification, the scope of certification is really important because you need to ring fence what you actually set, you know, what your business operations are and what you do. Okay, so because that's going to be clearly labeled on your certificate. And that's generally the first stage. So that's making sure that everything that you have got a direct influence over you can control set targets against. Then you've got the indirect in environmental impact as well, and that's through your supply chain, but that's where you can also put measures in place. So things like having sustainable procurement policies in place, and also asking them, you know, do you have uh, ISO 14064? Have you verified your carbon? Are you offsetting? So some organizations are looking at you know, carbon neutrality down their supply chain. And so they could be requesting that their suppliers have certain standards and, and certificates in place. It's, um, 
yeah complex complex work i i i can i imagine and and i mean in terms of how you um you know how companies implement these standards are you you know a combination of of consulting and 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 software and systems um you know is it like what can you talk me through a little bit without going too much down a rabbit hole but if i'm a an organization rolling this out and working with you what you know what's what is the easiest way to implement and, and achieve certification on these types of standards? Yeah, well, pre-COVID, we would have just gone down the traditional consultancy model here at Blackmores, whereby we would actually go in and visit clients and work in collaboration with them to develop their policies, procedures. And, and that all starts off with a gap analysis. That's where we understand where the gaps are and what actions need to be taken. But since COVID, uh, we've actually applied for a, a government grant on sustainable development to support businesses to be more sustainable. And as a result of that, we've actually launched a membership portal, uh, which is called the Isology Hub. And that basically gives businesses access to all of the tools that they need in order to implement an ISO standard. And that's all based on our ISOLOGY seven steps. So that takes you through from the initial gap analysis right through to the engagement piece, you know, launching your environmental management system through to reviewing and getting ready for, for certification. So it's quite, quite exciting that, uh, that that has been launched and, and it's actually a game changer in our profession. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't sound like necessarily a a pivot of your organization but more just a re-engineering of how you roll out the process and and yeah definitely Absolutely. exciting and something yeah. i mean we um obviously this is a podcast but from a business engagement point of view we'll have to talk about that because what we do as a as a business is all about connecting teams around many of these activities so yeah definitely we should we should take that offline and talk about some of the work you're doing with um isology uh, sorry isology hub did i say it right I saw yes, what you had to say, yeah, because yeah. um, yeah. maybe some interesting openings there. Um, and also maybe a good segue to another question. And, and maybe I don't know if this relates to, I imagine, many of the standards, um, you know, the environmental and particularly the CSR stuff. You know, how how important is the kind of team employee engagement level across these standards? Is it, you know, is it a vital part? Has, has that changed at all? You know what? It's something we're, we're seeing and actually we see real interest from employees in wanting to kind of understand more because people want to look for working for businesses that are doing the right thing these days. But, yeah, what, what when you talk to the level of kind of employee engagement, how much is this a part of it? Is it just something that employees know the business is going through? Are they engaged in it? Or do they need to get more engaged? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question because it's, engagement is actually it's critical to the success of any ISO project and also the ongoing maintenance of the system as well. So, you know, once you've, you've passed the assessment and you've got the certificate, you know, you, you can't take your foot off the gas. You've literally got to keep going. And what we've actually done is created a, what we call an engagement amplifier within the ISOlogy hub because we recognise that businesses need to really ramp up the engagement as far as employees are concerned. It's not good enough just to have an environmental policy or some documents uh, that look very nice, you know, sitting on a server somewhere. You really need to engage with employees on making it happen. 
And there are lots of different ways of doing that. So we have like coffee break training sessions. So rather than having a full day of training, it could be literally five minutes of you know a snippet of a specific thing that will really make a difference and move the needle. And so it's about making it fun. It's about making it interactive, accessible, and where possible, you know, try and draw out those environmental champions. So you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people within organisations now that they, they want to play their part. They want to do a little bit more. And so, you know, why not connect with those and create a community uh, within your organisation to, to bring together ideas and initiatives to kind of keep those ideas fresh and, and fun and, yeah, keep encouraging the, uh, the momentum as well on, on helping to make a difference. Yeah, cool. It's something that we've, I mean, well, you've obviously, I mean, you've been in this sector a long time, so you must have seen, have you seen attitudes change quite a bit in the last 10 years? It's in terms oh, without of... without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when we were implementing these standards, it was mostly a tick box exercise for organisations. They wanted to get 14,001 because it was a tender requirement. Now we're finding that businesses want to get it, not just because it's a tender requirement, but because they want to be seen to be doing the right thing, acting responsibly and looking for guidance and support on a best practice methodology for doing it. Yeah, cool. That's good. to It's good to see. I mean, how important do you, you know, do you do you see the kind of role of business uh, or the business sector in terms of fixing the environment? Do you think it's I mean, it it sounds almost like a dumb question, but not every business is doing this still right there are there is still more companies that need to get on board and 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 kind of understand their footprint reduce their footprint is you know is more needed yeah I think we're you know we're just at the beginning of this journey aren't we and I know that mm. people are more aware you know as a result of documentaries on Netflix and conspiracy mm. they've been fantastic in opening people's eyes to you know, their diet and how that affects the environment. So there's so much that we could be doing at home, but also at work as well. And, and it still kind of astounds me that a lot of businesses really don't know what their environmental footprint is. And not just from like a carbon position, but also just in terms of the costs. You know, it's, it's for some organisations, it's a significant overhead cost in terms of energy, water, fuel, and they don't necessarily understand exactly what that cost is to the business from a financial perspective, let alone the cost to the environment. This, yeah, I mean, we've got a long way to go. <laughs> well, I think to that point, though, that's the thing that I've always found kind of uh, startling, really, you know, over the years, looking at different um, use cases of big companies. I think there was one with around McDonald's when they changed some of their packaging and you know, in, ev in virtually every single case where you make a, a decision that's good for the environment, it's nearly always also good for the bottom line and, and for the business. So this, that, that in itself just makes you think, you know, everyone should be on board regardless of whether they're thinking about environment, because if it's going to save money as well, then it's just the sensible thing to do all around, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, commercially, it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the organisations, it's been... It's been proven over the years. I mean, if you, if you want to check out some more statistics on this, just go to iso.org. Uh, so that's the, uh, you know, the place to go on ISO standards for information about standards. But it's been proven that up to 20% of uh, overhead costs can be shaved off as a result of implementing environmental or energy management systems. Mm. 
yeah well there you go i mean for anyone that's not thinking about the environment then you know you just need to be thinking about that first then because um you know there's your business case before you've even saved the environment as well so that's a, a good thing so yeah um, i mean talking about business cases i mean i think you know you mentioned about engagement earlier i think trying to tune into that what's in it for me channel with the key stakeholders within the organization is is, is a good way to get started so mm. you know tuning into the channel for the finance director is going to be very different to operations sure. for example so yeah it's about understanding what's in it what's in it for them so that you can get them on board i think definitely you know when you are like we are um you know when you're selling a service that leads it then you've got to be having that commercial conversation because um you know they need to look at the business case for spending the money so yeah it's it's and you must deal with this all the time when you you know you, you're dealing with sustainability and um, CSR, but you're also dealing with with finance and accounts because you you know you're billing. So you got to have that you got to have that commercial story to get the services through. So yeah, and I think it's not just about kind of looking at you know who your customers are now, but who your customers going to be in five, ten years time. I mean, mm. my I've got two teenagers, and they are really savvy when it comes to sustainability and recycling so that you know that they're, they're our customers of the future so we, we need to be thinking ahead if we want a sustainable business as well yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more mel look i didn't have any more questions unless there's anything else um you you wanted to add and and beyond that obviously let's also get some details on where people can find out more about you um was, was there anything else first that i haven't asked that you that you would like to share or else we can yeah just just share some of the details where people can learn about the work you do uh no i think there's just kind of one other thing i think we, we've recently as a result of uh, getting so many uh, inquiries and dealing with uh, clients around the carbon verification and carbon neutrality what we've actually done is combine the two standards into a unique methodology called carbonology it's something that's going to be available uh, online uh, over the coming months. But at the moment, it's literally just a face-to-face -face or you know, online via Teams service at the moment. But uh, yeah, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, then yeah, please do just drop us a line. Um, and also, any organisation that's looking at embarking on implementing an ISO standard and wondering where to begin, uh, we've actually got a free ISO standards blueprint that you can download from our website. And that takes you through all the different steps that you need to take into consideration in terms of time scales, cost planning, uh, resources, you know, uh, and that, that's a, a really helpful tool for anybody that's, that's looking at, at, uh, at implementing an ISO standard. So that, that can be found over on the ISOlogy hub. So that's uh, www.isologyhub.com cool well i will i will leave those um you know those uh, urls in the speaker notes uh, so that people can go and find that stuff out so you can give me the links to those various resources and if uh, is there any other links like your, your website or, or any other details if people want to get hold of you uh, yeah, I mean, just through the Blackmore's website as well. So there's lots of uh, videos, uh, uh, podcast informations on there as well, the ISO show. So that's where we're talking about hints and tips for implementing ISO standards and trying to dispel some of the myths around the standards as well. So that's the uh, the ISO show and that, that that's available on a, any media player. Cool, great. Well, look, Mel, it's been great to great to chat and, and I know the audience will have learned um you know a bit more about iso standards and hopefully yeah hopefully they they get in touch and and you know can help you can help their businesses become more environmentally friendly so thanks very much matt it's been great talking to you too
cool. Cheers. All the best. Hey, thanks for listening to the Task Podcast and hope you found it interesting. If you'd like to get in touch and have a chat with myself, Matt, one of the team, then we are at hello at task.io and we'd love to speak to you. Cheers. Cheers.